Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Untuck It. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we just survived a war. Absolutely crazy game. 49ers finally conquer their demons in Seattle. Get the first win there since 2011. And what an unreal game to end the regular season and the decade for football. Just an incredible game that literally came down to the last play. Last play, inches on the goal line. Um, and that's off the top. We always start with our Sunday scariest moment. Has to be it. Just We decided we were going to record after the 49er game. They were up 12 late in the fourth. They're on the kickoff. They kick it out of bounds. Seattle scores way too quickly. Makes it a one-score game. 49ers have kind of a BS, uh, unnecessary roughness call against them. They give it back to Seattle. And I'm just sitting here on my couch, Tyler. So sick. It's late. East Coast time, you know the deal. I'm putting up with another hour on you. Just thinking we're actually going to have to record this after another nonsense Seattle victory. Chris Collinsworth is talking about how the the Seattle team, they always seem to pull it out. They just hang around, they hang around, they pull these games out. It was 4th and 10. You mentioned it before we hopped on, but Seattle literally does what was worst case for the 49ers. 49ers had a timeout left. It was either kind of give up a touchdown or... 
and take your chances to drive the length of the field or stop them. They get the ball on the one-yard line, and luckily, George Fan, offensive lineman for the Seahawks, was hurt and leads to a, a delay of game penalty that was so, so crucial. Tyler, I just had nightmares of Marshawn Lynch and just him jumping over the line and it just ruining everything. Thank God that did not happen. I know, just Seattle just can't get out of their way in these, you know, goal line situations. The Super Bowl, everyone remembers versus the Patriots, and then tonight. I know the guy's hurt, but that's still pathetic. You have to get that playoff. You're on the inch, one-inch yard line at that point. You need to be able to score to get a delay game at home in that scenario. Unacceptable in a game with so much on the line. So I don't know how that happens, but like you said, just worst-case scenario on that fourth and ten, receiver on the Seahawks, he's a seventh-round pick. Just typical Seattle 49er fashion. Makes a huge catch on the one-yard line, which then had clock implications. So it was just shaping up for an awful loss. I felt tears coming on in my apartment. But, you know, they get the delay game. The defense holds in Dre Greenlaw with the play of the season. Obviously, the Kittle play versus New Orleans is going to get all the highlights. But Dre Greenlaw with just an absolute unreal tackle at the goal line to keep – Hollister from scoring on that last play, and then it was madness with the replay. Did he get in? Did he fumble? Did Jimmy Ward score? How much time was left on the clock? It was just all over the place, and I'm <laughs> screaming in my apartment. Uh, luckily, my roommate's not here. I'm screaming in my apartment. He's short. My, my neighbors have to hate me, but uh, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. I've already had to get two rugs in my apartment uh, because of noise complaints. Have to imagine the 49ers have not helped uh, with that situation. This game just like truly had it all. 49ers go up early, up 13 nothing um, at the half, and it felt like they needed to be up more. They left some points on the board. Shanahan said the same thing uh, at halftime, and we knew this Russell Wilson. It, it just wasn't going to be easy. It never is. The 49ers have literally never beaten them in Seattle um, since he's been their quarterback. But, I mean, you got you to gotta give uh, Kyle Shanahan some credit. It seemed like every time Seattle would punch the 49ers when it's they're up 13 nothing they make a 13-7 49ers drive right down the field in about two minutes uh they score again um Raheem Mostert had a couple big touchdown Debo Samuel had another big game this guy's a rookie that I feel like he's not getting as much credit as he deserves he's been a monster specifically the second half of the season he had over 100 yards receiving and about a 30 yard rush, rushing touchdown and just another big game from George Kittle the guy's just I mean they said it on the on the broadcast he truly believes he can't be tackled a little bit of a hard move but absolutely love him and thank god Drake Greenlaw a, a rookie with the goal line stand kind of reminiscent of that Rams tight end Super Bowl um, at the beginning of, was it 2000, 2001? So just an unbelievable game that had everything. And the way this 49er season has went, all these big games, except for the Packers one, it's come down. I mean, they showed it. The cardiac kids, the last four games have come down to the last play. This one, no different. And the 49ers win. They cover on the road. Um, 
and it was kind of interesting because they were talking about will the 49ers take a safety there at the end which actually could have had uh, some implications for the spread because it did close some places at minus three and a half so if they had taken the safety that could have been a pretty tough beat there as well but 49ers hold on they cover they're the one seed and my god I just what 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 a ridiculous game and they finally finally beat Seattle in Seattle Finally, they conquered that demon, and, you know, Garoppolo didn't throw for any touchdowns, but he was really good and really sharp in this game, 18 of 22, 285, and they really moved the ball all, all over Seattle the entire game, so that's what you love to see out of a championship team, when they get punched in the mouth, because I agree with you, it felt like they should have been up more at halftime, Debo fumbles on that third down towards the end of the half, if he had held on, I think he would have gotten the first down, which probably led to a touchdown. So it would only be up two possessions going into the second half. Felt like they left a little on the table there. Seattle comes out, gets a stop, scores right away, and I'm like, okay, here we go. But 49ers come right back down and score the long play to use check. I mean, throwing a 40-yard pass here, fullback, who does that? Kyle Shanahan just continues to show why I'd say him and Sean Payton are probably 1A, 1B, play calling, however you want to divvy that up. I mean, he was incredible. Seattle comes back down, scores again. And 49ers just march right back down again and score. And Raheem Mostert has really emerged as the best running back. You know, Tevin Coleman started the game getting some of the carries, but I'm like, you have to get Mostert in. He's the best running back, I think, by far. And he played another really good game, averaged 5.7 yards a carry, two touchdowns. And, yeah, I think the bye is so crucial. We know, you know, the historical stats, how important that is, but especially for this 49ers team because they had a week four bye. That's the earliest bye you could have in the NFL. So they've been playing for, what is it, 12, 13 straight weeks in all these close games, like you mentioned, versus really good teams. So they need this bye to get rested, get some of the guys back, D4, Jaquiski Tard. So it worked out perfectly for them because losing a game like that and then having to go across the country to Philadelphia, I would think the season would have been over, honestly. So so important um, and just an all-around great night. Yeah, thank God. Um you would have been crying. I'm not sure if we would have actually been able to do this podcast, but um, we we would have figured it out. But Tyler, what's uh, what's your Sunday scariest moment? Yeah, so my Sunday scariest moment, obviously partially the 49ers, but another one going to college football. That's to be the Oklahoma Sooners. They got absolutely boat raced. Um, was that yesterday? By the LSU Tigers lost 63 to 28. They gave up 49 points in the first half. Joe Burrow just continues to be unreal. Seven passing touchdowns in the first half. For Oklahoma, you know, they've made the college football playoff four times in the six-year history of the playoff. So that's great. That has to be, you know, probably only behind Clemson and Alabama um, schools who have made it more. But they're 0-4. They get blown out again. And if you're Lincoln Riley, I think this year you seriously have to consider going to an NFL team because they're going to be calling. There's going to be a lot of openings. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Like Oklahoma probably isn't good enough. You know, they continue to get blown out in these games. They got blown out by Alabama last year. So my Sunday scariest moment is for Oklahoma Sooner fans and the program. I just don't think they're good enough to get over the top of these SEC teams and Clemson. No, probably not. I mean, Joe Burrow. 
eight what is he, he had eight touchdowns yesterday that's absurd in the semifinal game it's not a non-conference game versus a cupcake um on the biggest stage to do that is absurd must have Bengals fans pretty excited that that is their future quarterback um so good for them and like you said i think another sunday scariest moment's got to be for some of these head coaches honorary um we could say uh, a runner-up Sunday scariest moment out there, but I think Freddie Kitchens already is getting canned. Seems like uh, Pat Trimmer is going to go. Doug Marone continues to kind of have conflicting reports. Jason Garrett, that's got to be only a matter of time. Um, so it's it's kind of D-Day for these coaches tomorrow. So we'll see who else kind of gets their pink slip. But um, it's... I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, you got kind of exactly what you thought would happen today. They'd blow them out. The Eagles kind of uh, hung around with the Giants for a little bit. Um, Giants were hanging in there. Then Daniel Jones kind of has a fumble. Philly picks it up on the one-yard line, and then that game gets out of hand. So um, I, I imagine if you were a Cowboy fan watching that game, you have to be rooting for the Eagles to just win and put you out of your misery um, because it's it's time for a fresh start there. Definitely, and Freddie Kitchens gets fired, it's announced, um, before the 49er game started, so not surprising there. There was a report today that they were undecided on whether to fire him or not, and if they won versus the Bengals, like, what scenario would they beat the Bengals and you had any confidence in him? Um, so he's gone. The Browns just need a complete restart. Uh, not a restart, but they just need to really evaluate deeply who the next coach should be. Um, did you see the video of Baker getting into it with the fan before the game? Um, the fan was yelling at him, and Baker was like, why don't you come down here and say to my face, this guy keeps fueling the media to provide hate towards him, and his season was terrible. He had 22 touchdowns, 21 picks, all that hype, you know, the offseason darlings. They didn't live up to it, so absolutely just miserable season for the Browns, and they really need to do some soul-searching uh, this offseason. Yeah, it's it's a long off season for that team. Um, but should we talk about some of these early games that feel so long ago at that point? At this point, yeah, long, long. Uh, <laughs> so long ago. Um, all right, let's let's start with this one. Kind of going into the slate, the NFL stacked basically all the four o'clock games have playoff ramifications, but turned out the one o'clock games were the exciting ones here. Um, we got to start with this Patriots loss at home to the Dolphins. Dolphins were hanging around in this one. The game was tied at the half, 10, 10, 10 all. Um, and the bottom line is the Patriots end up scoring with 353 screen pass to James White. They go up four. They were 17 point favorites in this game. And you figure you're at home with the best defense in the NFL against the lowly Miami Dolphins, who have been feisty this year. Got to give them credit. Since Fitzpatrick's taken over, the first few weeks of the season, they were kind of drawing comparisons, like, could Alabama beat this team? Could LSU beat Miami Dolphins? Yeah, they trade Minka Fitzpatrick. They get rid of Kenyon Drake. Um, but they put together a nice little end of the season here, and they literally drive right down the field versus this vaunted Patriots defense. They score a touchdown, go up three with about 20 seconds to go pull off the biggest outright underdog victory of the season. Uh, I think the Falcons previously had it when they won in New Orleans. They were 13 and a half point dogs in that one, but 
for the Dolphins to do this with so much online for the Patriots, if the Patriots win, they get the two seed, they get the bye. Um, everything's kind of ho-hum in New England. Bottom line is they now they have to play in, in the wild card round for the first time in a while because the Chiefs end up winning that game, uh, which we'll get to a little bit later in the Lock of the Week segment. But um, a brutal loss for the Pats and really starting to feel like the beginning of the end. And I saw you tweet it out. You think the Titans can go in there and win? And I don't disagree with you. Yeah, we were we were on this train last year with the Chargers, but this year it feels different. Um, the way the Titans are playing that run game, their receivers are big, athletic. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems for the Patriots, and it's felt like you know they're twelve and four, but it's felt like smoke and mirrors with this Patriots team that they weren't that good. But you figure going into this game, oh, they're going to win, go thirteen and three get a bye and going into Foxborough, probably for the Chiefs again. Not going to be an easy job, but Fitzmagic strikes, and this stat is wild. Fitzpatrick is the first player to win three games, first quarterback, I assume, first quarterback to win three games as a double-digit underdog in the same season since 1976. So this team has just continued to play hard. Like you said, felt like they're, you know, maybe not going to win a game all year, especially the way it started, but they've played really hard. Brian Flores deserves a ton of credit. A five and 11 coach is never going to win coach of the year, but he does deserve a little love um, the way they've continued to fight and all the trades they made. And, you know, there were rumors at the beginning of the season that players were telling their agents they wanted out. I mean, he's really built a nice foundation there. If they're able to, like, pull off this tanking plan they have and hit on these draft picks, they could be, you know, a pretty nice team in the future. But absolutely wild game. And what was great about the early slate, like you said, the Chiefs game was going on. And obviously the Chiefs win, Pats lose, they get the, the bye. And Kevin Harlan is announcing... Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> he's announcing the Chiefs game and I guess they're watching the Patriots game and he's announcing the game winning touchdown to Mike Kosicki on the Dolphins that has implications for the Chiefs game and he, and his partner I forget who he was with it's like which game are you announcing and he just screams I'm announcing both awesome <laughs> moment made week 17 just so great and so exciting and like you said the NFL stacked the schedule so the later games would mean more and those had the they playoff were, implications terrible they were horrible. The early games were was so exciting, and it's just seeing a huge upset like this, especially with the Patriots. They've had issues with the Dolphins, but that's always in Miami. Mm-hmm. Winning, in, lo- losing in Foxborough Week 17 like this is crazy. The stats for the Patriots Week 17. I think Brady was the best Week 17 against a spread quarterback um, in the NFL who's currently playing. So, absolutely wild. Let's quickly talk about the Eagles. So they beat the Giants 34 to 17. Like you said, the Giants held. Sorry, Tyler, before we we go to the late slate, one other game I want to talk about really quickly in the early slate, Packers-Lions. The Packers clinched up the two seed. Um, They have 13 wins this season, but it took a lot. They were down. They were down 14, nothing in this one. Again, they're. The buy is on the line for them, and similar to the Patriots, it's like kind of head-scratching that they would come out so flat. They did come all the way back, and they were able to pull off the victory. They score, they tied up late in this game with about five minutes to go. Rodgers finally gets it together. He had to throw the ball 55 times in this game. I believe the Lions were, I think it was like 12 and a half, or thir- sorry, it closed at 13 and a half for the Packers. Lions obviously cover, but 
this could have been brutal for the Packers. And I think I wanted to talk about it before we hop to late slate just because it means so much for the NFC playoff picture. Now the Saints are a 13 win, three seed. Um, and they're if they win their game versus the Vikings in in the uh, wild card round, they're going to have to go into Lambeau. So this Packers team that has kind of been skated skated by feels like they've had a lot of these close games. A close game versus the Redskins, close game versus the Lions twice. Uh, they get blown out by the 49ers in San Francisco. But bottom line is they're a two seed. They get a bye, and they're going to host a playoff game in Lambeau. Yeah, and if, you know, like we said, Seattle's an inch away from winning that game. Seattle wins. Green Bay is the number one seed in the NFC, and it hasn't felt like they're the best team in the NFC all year. I would say 49ers and Saints are pretty even right now. And for the Saints, they destroyed the Panthers today. And the way the the Packers game was going, it's like there's a realistic chance the Saints end up as the one seed after today's done. So they have to feel really just depleted. I don't know what other word to use that they're uh, the three seed because I, I, I think they'll take care of business versus Minnesota. But going into Lambeau, and I'm not super confident in the Packers, but going into Lambeau for Breeze in the second round, not easy, especially if the weather is you know, crappy, a typical Wisconsin January game. Yeah. That could affect them. And playing that third extra game, I just think they could have really used the bye. Um, so I don't feel too bad because I see that as the biggest competition for the 49ers in the NFC. So I'm happy mm-hmm. it broke that way. But let's quickly touch on the Eagles before we take a break. They win today versus the Giants. Like we said, Giants hung around early in this game, but Eagles pull away late. And we've been pretty critical of Carson Wentz um, this year. And for most of it, I felt like it was pretty justified. But the last four or five weeks, he's played great, and he really has no receivers. Their leading receiver today was Boston Scott. Great name. He's really become a legend on Twitter. Um, You know, they continue to get banged up, and he just continues to find ways to win. And like I said, how I was nervous, the 49ers, you know, if they lost the game tonight, I'd think they had no chance next week versus the Eagles. Same thing applies to Seattle. That's a gut punch of a game to lose versus your rival. They have to fly across the country to play the Eagles, and they already played, and that was, you know, the Eagles played terrible in that game, so they'll be motivated. And Doug Peterson deserves a ton of credit. What he's done with the Eagles, I saw a tweet. 2017, he wins the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback. Last year, they went a playoff game, almost knocked off the Saints, too, again with your backup quarterback. This year, with all the injuries they've had, they win the division. So he deserves a ton of credit, and Carson Wentz does, too, because he's really, you know, turned all these pumpkins into cinderellas or whatever the uh <laughs> expression is yeah i think that was it so we this little carson Wentz stats and we've done our fair share of hating on carson Wentz on this podcast he started to put it together the last few weeks and this set's insane he's the first quarterback to throw for four thousand yards without a single wide receiver hitting 500 yards He's without their top three wide receivers. Ertz was out this game. Their top two running backs were also out. Literally, they're they're playing with Greg Ward, uh, Boston Scott, like you said, and Dallas Goddard. Got he was their top target guy, and he's their second uh, tight end. Ridiculous. Um, few weeks for the Eagles, and they pulled out some crazy games versus the Redskins, the Giants. They obviously took care of business versus the Cowboys last week. Um, so they now they host a playoff game. Um, but yeah, I I think you gotta you have to give them some credit. I think we're both eating crow a little bit. That team is has got a ton of heart. 
Um, so they they cover easily in MetLife in a game that was close, but ended up a little bit out of control. Uh, you have anything more on that game, or you want to take a quick break? Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap our locks of the week, which was wild, and then we'll give out our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free bundans, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. Within Tucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to help you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untucket.com and use code BLUE. For 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Cody, let's move on to our lock of the week recap. And this came down to the absolute wire, similar to the 49ers Seattle game. Um, so I won the lock of the week for the regular season this year. I finished 10 and 7. You finished 9, 7, and 1 after pushing with the Chiefs. Uh, minus 10 today versus the Chargers, and I had the over in the Bucks falcons game at 48. Um, I'll go first since I won. Do you want to congratulate me first? I just, like, it's it's 12-11 right now. Uh, we're, we're on Monday morning at this point. This 11, was 7 here. Make a wish. This uh, it's beautiful. Um Seven and a half hours ago at this point. I'll let you go first, Tyler. Congratulations on your win. Um, and for listeners that just joined us during the Blue Wire era, I, w- I won last year going away with it. Um, you can criticize me if you want. Bright lights uh, now that we were on the network, whatever it was. But congratulations to you, Tyler. I would like to remind people that well, three weeks ago, you were up to two games i came roaring back we were all tied up going into this last week and you know what we gave the people what they want this truly came down to the wire um i'll let you go first and i mean Jameis, that's that's all we can say yeah i wanted to make it interesting so i had like i said i had the falcons bucks over 48 and the way the game started especially the way the first half ended i thought i had this so easy so in the last five minutes of the first half, there were 21 total points scored. The highlight of that was the Devin White uh, fumble return. Matt Ryan gets hit as he's throwing. It looked like it might have been incomplete, but they ruled it a touchdown on the field, and it's kind of hard to overturn. So the Bucks were up 22-16 to 16 at halftime, 38 total. I was like, okay, this is smashing. This might get into the 70s total, just the way the game was going. Both teams are moving the ball up and down the field super easy. There's no points scored in the third quarter. That's a real killer. Um, Matt Gay, the Bucks kicker, missed three field goals today. Just absolutely just destroyed me. So I thought this was dead. Um, then the Falcons are down three with the ball with a chance to tie or score a touchdown and win the game. And if they scored a touchdown at this point and they make the extra point, it would have pushed, 
which maybe would have felt safer than going to overtime. But I wanted overtime. I wanted to risk it, you know, for the biscuit. Matt Ryan makes some incredible third makes some incredible third down play, keep that drive going. They end up tying the game twenty two to twenty two. So at this point, what we've talked about the last few weeks, the Jameis thirty for thirty. He needed two interceptions today to set that great record. Um, he had only thrown one pick in the game, and I tweeted at three thirteen Central Time. Jameis pick six in OT to hit the over, <laughs> and the thirty for thirty season is meant to be. Um, and I was watching at my friend's place, and I was looking at my phone. They flash to the game quickly on red zone. I just hear my friend scream like, "Oh my god!" I look up, and the Falcons are taking back the pass with the pick six. So four minutes later, I tweeted, "Oh my god, Jameis, my king!" And I said, "Suck it to you." So that's how the over hit. How Jameis got his 30 for 30 season, his seventh pick six of the season, setting another NFL record. <laughs> um, just unbelievable. And I know you were mad, but you, like, it was I just tweeted, such a. I, I tweeted about it. I said, I feel so conflicted. I obviously am pissed that I lost to you. Because, um, like you said, the way my lock was going, I took the Chiefs minus 10. It was kind of dead to me. Like, I kind of came to terms with it at halftime just the way that game was going um that there's a chance that it wasn't looking like the chiefs were going to cover and the over the over was a done deal in my mind but in the second half it just like didn't come on red zone and when it did come on red zone it was just missed field goals left and right so i was like ooh, i actually have a chance here the chiefs they scored they were down 14 10 the chargers scored early in the third quarter chiefs scored a late touchdown um in the fourth to basically they had a big stop on the chargers they damian williams had a big half he scored to make it 31 21 so i was looking at a push there and then i was like oh my god okay we have overtime that kind of stinks but all i need is a field goal and then obviously the pick six never i never really had a chance to get excited in overtime that i was going to beat you and i felt so conflicted because i was so happy that Jameis threw 30 interceptions that their season ended on a pick six it's just the most Jameis thing of all time but I was like I said pissed I lost to you um and at the end of my tweet I was like I imagine this is just how Bucks fans feel all the time um watching this guy play quarterback because Evans goes down Godwin goes down in the first half Jameis is playing out of his mind he's throwing passes all over the place an incredible touchdown pass to Brashad Perryman and then he does stuff like this. Um, it's the full Jameis experience. And he said after the game that he feels like he deserves to be paid. Again, he just needs to stop throwing the ball to the other team. So he said he'll be balling as long as he, as long as he learns uh, to just cut down on his turnovers. The quotes that were coming out of this game were incredible. There, there's a report earlier today he wants $30 million a year. I think Twitter collectively will pay him that we'll, just to we'll, keep this. We'll easily crowdfund this. It'll, yeah. It would easily happen. Yeah, the quote you said, when you look at my numbers, I'm balling. I just got to stop giving it to the other team. It's so funny, and the person I really feel bad for is Bruce Arians. He's 67 years old. This cannot be good for his health. <laughs> Some of his quotes were just incredible. One of them was, it smells as bad as it could possibly smell. And then, um, what the hell does that mean? And then this one is incredible. They asked him about Jameis. He said, "We'll take our time and evaluating. There's so much good, and there's some outright terrible. We've got to weigh that and see what happens. There's a lot more that just goes into the interceptions. It'll be a full evaluation. It's incredible. 
this like we said last week, everyone is in on this whole Jameis thing. It's so friendly. Everyone hates each other on Twitter and social media. But when it comes to Jameis, <laughs> everyone comes together. It unites the world. So I'm so happy that's how I hit this lock. I won the lock of the year. Such a funny moment that it ended on a pick six. Um, so that was great. And, you know, Chiefs won for you. And we had some good Philip Rivers moments in that game as well. Yeah, we had Philip. I mean, he played he played okay, 31 of 46, 281 yards, two touchdowns, of course, two interceptions, um, and kind of a sad moment after the game. I retweeted the clip, um, him in the press conference tearing up, saying, you know, we didn't win every game, we didn't lose every game, but I I gave it everything I had, and kind of feels like the end of an era there. Uh, his future is kind of up in the air. It seems like Anthony Lynn maybe one of these guys that catches a uh, pink slip tomorrow potentially after i mean they made the playoffs last year they beat lamar jackson in the first round they get absolutely demolished by the patriots and they just lost so many close games this year um and i kind of think partially a byproduct of the fact that philip rivers who kind of was Jameis before Jameis, just full excitement all the time always driving late in the game either for the win or the late cover just Never a lack of emotion from the guy. Um, it seems like his there's a chance his time is over uh, in L.A., but I hope not um, because it's. I think he'll he'll. I see I see him and Andy Dalton um, and Jameis being starting quarterbacks on some NFL team next year. Cam Newton because we even saw guys like Kyle Allen that look good for for stretches. Um, I, I don't know, water finds its level, and I think those all those guys will be starting NFL quarterbacks uh, at week one next year. It, it, it is sad to imagine Phelp Rivers not playing on the Chargers. They're moving into that new stadium. I think that's going to be a disaster with them and the Rams. I don't know how they're going to fill up the stadium with the home fans. They had trouble filling up the soccer stadium. It's mostly road fans. I don't see why that's going to change when they move into the new one, so... It's definitely sad if Rivers ends up on a different team. I'm not sure where that would be. Um, if he ends up on the Bears, I would love that. Like I said, him throwing the ball with the winds coming off the lake in Chicago would mm. be electric. But definitely sad. And they lost so many close games this year. And there was like some screenshot going around on Twitter about what teams' records would be if you flipped their records in one-score games. Like the Cowboys would have been like, 12 and 4 and the uh Chargers were one of those other teams where they would have you know made the playoffs as well so classic Chargers seems like Anthony Lynn's time is probably numbered there let's finish up with our Grandpa Billy's bum of the week Cody you could get started sure so my Grandpa Billy's bum of the week going to the college basketball ranks and I'm going to uh Indiana men's basketball head coach Archie Miller we're on year three of Archie here uh Indiana was 11-1 coming into tonight's home game versus Arkansas who's another quality non-conference opponent they had one loss in the SEC not ranked but it seems like their Kem Palm stats were pretty good uh defensively it seemed like it'd be a tough matchup Indiana was up five at the half. Uh, Trace Jackson looked unstoppable. I believe he had 16 points in the first half. Uh, Indiana went up by as much as I believe it was 12 or 11 in the second half. And the, the wheels just fell off 
what happened in the game versus Notre Dame where we were up 17 in the second half. We gave it all up. Uh, happened again here, but we weren't able to redeem ourselves. And the, the bottom line is Arkansas is a team that started four guards. They could not stop Trace, who's uh, McDonald's All-American, Mr. Indiana, and has been the real deal. Uh, it seems like a, a theme the past couple games is we just don't get him as many post-touches as we should. And that, again, he only he attempted three field goals in the second half. He's our best player. He didn't even, like, really touch the ball, it felt like. Uh, we did miss some free throws, which is bad. But bottom line is, like I said, this is year three for Archie. We had 14 turnovers versus 11 at home in Assembly Hall. Um, we went 9 of 18 from the free throw line. We shot 24% from three. Um, Devontae Green, he had four threes in this game, but he also had a number of terrible turnovers. We basically had a stretch from the eight-minute mark uh, till I believe under a minute where we didn't hit a field goal in this game. And this is a home game versus Arkansas, not against Louisville or a top program in the country versus a team that'll probably be on the bubble uh, come come March and we couldn't take care of business at home. And I'm, I'm starting to really... I, we were both bullish on this IU team more so than some of our friends. Um, but the way they've played the last few games has really made me question Archie Miller. There's still no real fire, it feels like, from this team. And I think at some point that comes from him. And they continue to just make these bad turnovers, look undisciplined. We still can't shoot at all. And we don't get the ball to our best player. Um, and I think ultimately he should pull Finnessy and these other guards aside and be like, hey, if he trace, he needs to touch the ball every possession. And uh, he's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week because that was, that was a terrible loss, just the way it happened. Yeah, it comes down to coaching when Trace Jackson's having a great game, clearly the best player in the court, and you don't get the ball to him in the second half. He only had three shots. Devontae Green, who was playing pretty well, but he's so up and down uh, control as 10 in the second half. That comes down to coaching. It should be pretty simple that Archie, you know, says, get Trace the ball. They changed up the coverage on him in the second half, but it wasn't enough where the, he wasn't able to get the ball. He was getting some single coverage, and then they would still have someone else on the team run into the corner that would draw another defender. That's all coaching. It's the same crap we've seen the last couple years with Archie where we just go into these offensive just rots in the middle of games and you know with Big Ten play approaching it's it's pretty nerve-wracking because that was the Achilles heel last year these offensive droughts so I don't know if they're going to be able to avoid it they play Maryland next which is not going to be an easy game at all so I'm not super confident this team and I'm starting to waver on Archie um I don't it's I don't even think it's the playing hard it, it has been a problem I don't think I think that was the issue today. It's just when the game gets tight, the team doesn't seem like they know what to do. And the fact that Trace is by far the best player and he doesn't touch the ball just makes no sense. And someone has to point that out and should be the coach. So it's super frustrating. Um, yeah, it was a terrible loss. We're going to go in a few weeks versus Ohio State. I'm not super confident that they're going to win that game. I know it's at Assembly Hall and they play well versus ranked teams, but they just they don't have it and i saw someone tweet out earlier i can't find it now but they made a good point you know tom crean had a lot of faults and we certainly did not like him but one thing his teams did have is they had an identity that they could shoot the ball they're going to play up and down archie's team really has nothing to hang its hat on 
they're like mediocre on defense. They don't really take care of the ball. Like there's nothing we do like specifically well. So that's an issue. It's year three. That stuff shouldn't still happen. So it's it's getting it's starting to get uh, late for Archie. The issue is too. So at the time we hired him, Louisville hired Chris Mack. Ohio State hired Chris Holtman. Those are two top five programs, top ten programs in the country, and we're still out here year three. Um, haven't been ranked this year. Obviously, we had that terrible losing streak last year. It's still kind of early in terms of the, the overall season. There's a lot to be determined in Big Ten play, and Big Ten, quite frankly, it's pretty wide open. There's a lot of good teams, but it doesn't seem like anyone's at dominance, so we should have the chance to get some quality victories here, but not a ton of confidence in the coach and uh, disappointing bringing someone in who got a team to the Elite Eight at Dayton, and I don't know. We're just not seeing a ton of improvement here, but Tyler, who's your grandpa Billy's bum of the week? Let's wrap this bad boy up. So my grandpa Billy's bum of the week are the officials in the Clemson-Ohio State game. A lot of controversial calls, and this game came down to the wire, and it was, you know, the best playoff semifinal I feel like we've had in a while. It seems like there's been a lot of blowouts the last couple of years, and it sucks when the officiating's overshadowed by, uh, overshadows a game. And, you know, the most controversial call was the scoop and score Ohio State had. Um, Justin Ross looked like it was a catch. They initially called it a catch um, on the field and a touchdown by Ohio State and they ended up overturning it I didn't see how that was possible it wasn't conclusive enough that is incomplete so that's my bum of the week I hate when we have these huge games and it's always the officiating that seems to be the storyline I hate that so Clemson moves on to play LSU the line opened at LSU minus three and a half it's already been pushed up to six six and a half so I think people are expecting LSU to continue to roll and Clemson continues to do this whole they're not getting any respect thing i mean they are underdogs versus lc but they, they were, were favorites. favorites they were favored in this game versus ohio state as the you know the lower seed technically as a three it's so annoying i'm so tired of Dabo, but um that's my bum of the week the refs i hate when it overshadows these big games it, yeah, it always feels like it's on the scoop and score, uh, which like whether it's NFL college, uh, whether someone blows the whistle, whatever it is. I mean, it seemed like they got the call right on the field and then reversed it. So who knows there? But the final should be pretty awesome. Uh, you get defending champion Clemson versus LSU and the magical season Joe Burrows put together. Um, but Tyler, I think that wraps up an absolutely wild Week 17, between the locks of the week, between the 49er game, um, and now we get to, we get postseason full slate here. Oh, yeah. They they actually announced Wild Card Weekend. I'll just go over it quickly. So Saturday, they're stacking the AFC on Saturday, NFC on Sunday. So Texans, who are always in that early Saturday game, Versus the Bills. they play the, Bill, the Bills at 4.30, then Patriots-Titans at 8.15 Eastern. Then Sunday, it's um, Saints-Vikings at 1 Eastern, Eagles-Seahawks at 440. I think it's going to be a really good slate of wildcard games. Um, and quickly on the Titans, like I said, I think I'm pretty confident they could beat the Patriots. And out of all the teams playing um, wildcard weekend in the AFC, that's the one team, if I was the Ravens, I wouldn't want to play. Because um, I think that run game could cause issues for them. But should be a great wildcard slate, and I'm excited for it.
Yeah, and I I love the Bills in that uh, matchup versus the Texans to circle the wagon. So we will be back this week with a Pick'em Pod previewing those games. Uh, But continue to subscribe, rate, and review. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.